In today's episode from Five Pillars of Biblical Manhood, Pastor John Mark Caton teaches on how to stay strong through three weaknesses. Pastor John identifies the weaknesses as number one, not staying alert when others need you, number two, not being there when others need you, and number three, not standing strong when confronted by others. Now let's hear from Pastor John Mark. Man, good seeing you guys. I want to invite you to uh, grab your copy of God's Word, and let's make our journey as we continue to uh, uh, walk through our five pillars of biblical manhood. We're to the fourth pillar uh, today, and in each one of these pillars, if you've been following us over the last couple of weeks, uh, we would take one week and we'd look at a, uh, an issue and a pillar of biblical manhood. We'd see uh, someone who epically failed in that area, and then the next week we are looking at uh, success in that area. And today, uh, I want to talk to be, talk to you about a failure in the area of being strong. You know, there has never been uh, a time that I can think about as the pastor here at Cottonwood Creek uh, a long time ago, Fairview, that we needed this idea more than ever before, that we need men to be strong. You know, we live in a culture that uh, uh, manhood is being redefined and uh, the idea of strength is being shunned and if there was ever a time that you and I need to be strong, not just physically, and we do need to be f- strong physically, but also spiritually uh, and morally and mentally and uh, uh, emotionally in every way and in every space. And so we go back to our foundational verse, uh, which is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Here's what Paul said, talking to men. He says, be on your guard. We've looked at that. Stand firm in your faith. We've looked at that. Be courageous, that's the third pillar, and here's where we're going to start today, and be strong, and then in two weeks, we're going to look at this last idea, that you and I need to do everything in love. But when we come to thinking about what does it mean to be strong, you know, I've noticed this over the years, Uh, there have been many times in my life, and in my family, and probably in your life, and your family as well, you know, you never really know how strong you are until you're faced with something that challenges your strength. That's the only time you really know how strong that you are. Man, there are times in our lives when being strong, how many of you know this, it's the only choice you have, right? That's the only choice you have. That you don't have an option to be weak in that moment, in that space, in that relationship, in that time. And so being strong is important for you and I to understand. If you go to the dictionary, here are a couple of different ways even the dictionary defines strength. And the dictionary does not just define strength uh, in the area of physical strength. It talks about being mentally strong, emotionally strong uh, in every way. But here's the idea. Here's what it says, actually, in the, in the dictionary. In the idea of being physically strong, it says, having or showing or showing an ability to exert great bodily or muscular power. In other words, being physically vigorous. How many of you work out? How many of you work out? How many of you don't work out? How many of you who work out, you're glad you work out? How many of you don't work out, you're glad you don't work out? See, I love that. I love that about the guys here at Cottonwood. We are always in an agreement, right? You know, the truth is uh, being strong is a good thing. And I have tried as my best uh, over the years to continue to work out. But here's what I've also noticed. It, as I've gotten older and older and older, it is more and more of a battle just to be able to lift what I used to lift. 
Everybody understand what I'm talking about? I mean, you, I got to work hard just to stay where I was the last couple of weeks. And so we have a tendency to understand that over the years, we will become weaker and weaker and weaker if we don't fight that back. And so when we talk about being strong, we want to be strong as men. Man, you have Dave come up here and ask for volunteers. It's not that hard to stand up here at Fall Festival and just give out candy. This is truly the time where it doesn't matter how the kid does in the game. Your answer is give them more candy, right? I mean, it doesn't take much to do that, but the more physically fit and the stronger we are physically, the longer we can serve God. You look through God's Word. Man, part of the call on our lives, why you and I want to straight, stay physically fit and we want to stay physically strong, is so I can so serve God longer and longer with whatever breath I have left. The next way that, uh, that the definition uh, defines, uh, dictionary defines uh, being strong is mentally. It says being strong mentally is being mentally powerful or vigorous in your thinking. In other words, you just want to outthink people. How many of you were sitting there watching, uh, if you, maybe, maybe many of you did, watching the Cowboys play the Patriots uh, the other night? How many of you saw that game? And man, the Cowboys did everything, in my, my, my opinion, everything they could to lose that game. Did you notice that? I mean, we did everything within our power to lose the game. And there were times that I would look over at our coaching staff going, what were you thinking? Am I the only one? You go, what were you thinking? And then every once in a while, they would roll over to Belichick. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to a thinking man's game and a coaching man's game, he just scares me to death. Why? Because you feel like he's always on it. He's got something up his sleeve. He is, he is vigorous in his thinking. He is strategic in his thinking. And guys, we need to not only be physically strong, but we need to be strong in our thinking, in our mindset. We need to understand what is going on. Man, there, is all kind, there are all kinds of challenges through God's Word for you and I, not, not as men, not just to be physically strong, but to also be mentally strong. To, to see the problems that are coming and prepare ourselves and then ultimately respond in the right way. Uh, I will tell you, if you look in the dictionary, I love this. When you just look it up, there is a definition in the dictionary, secular dictionary, where it talks about being morally strong. That we've got to have a strength of our moral fiber and our moral character. Here's what it says. It's, having of it's, it's being strong morally is of having great moral power, firmness, or moral courage. There's never been a season that's more important for men of God to have some moral strength. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When the world is doing everything it can, it can to, to push the edges, to push the envelope, to say this isn't right, uh, this is okay, that you and I as men, we need to be strong morally. And we need to stand up to a world that is trying to just lead our kids and lead our grandkids and lead the successive generations down a path to moral obliteration where we think families aren't important and morality is important. And the only response to that is that men would be morally strong. So when we think about that idea is that you and I need to be physically strong we need to be mentally strong, and we need to be morally strong. And so as we come today, we're going to look at a couple of guys that these guys that we're going to look at today who failed epically, uh, these are not going to be new guys. 
These are not going to be guys where you go, who are they? These are going to be guys that you truly know. How many of you have heard of a guy named Peter in the New Testament? How many of you heard of James? How many of you heard of John? I mean, these guys, before they showed up in the latter days of their life, after the resurrection, before they showed up as incredible leaders in the church, they failed miserably. And perhaps you're in one of those seasons in your life when you think, man, I am a failure. I have demonstrated anything but physical strength. Can I tell you, there's hope for you in the days to come. Maybe you're sitting here going, you know, I've demonstrated in, in my life or in my job or in my occupation anything but mental strength. Can I tell you, there's hope for you in the days ahead and the days to come. Maybe there's some in here today and perhaps viewing online that you think about your life and it reflects anything but a moral strength. Can I encourage you with this? There are days to come. There, there's an opportunity for us to bounce back from our failure. And so let's dive into God's Word and, and let's just begin to look at this idea of being strong. Uh, my wife has a statement that she said over and over with our kids over the years. And normally it's a statement that you would think, you'll hear me say it to my kids from time to time, but it originally came from my wife. And it just kind of rhymes, and I don't know when it was, but it's probably started when Jace was little. And she would just look at our kids and say, Catons don't quit. All right? That's just what she said. Catons don't quit. You walk up to my kids, any one of my kids, even mine, mine that are married now, and you go, Catons don't, they will finish the sentence for you. And her point was, man, Catons don't quit. And what she would do is as they would fail or they would make a mistake or they would blow something and they would cry, she would always want them to try it again and do it again. And so she would say, Catons don't quit. Catons don't quit. Uh, and I, I want you to know their dad quits a lot. You know, how many of you know? But until she comes up to me and I'm in one of those cry fits and she goes, hey, Catons don't. And I go, okay, quit. You know, we don't quit. And so we're going to look at some guys that they had an opportunity to quit because they failed in front of their best friend. They failed in front of a man who had loved them, who had called them, who had blessed them. We're gonna see here in a second, they failed Peter, James, and John in front of a dude that had just washed their feet. They failed in front of a guy that just said, listen, I have come to sacrifice my life for you. And these guys had failed. But what we're going to see is these same guys are going to bounce back and succeed because that strong, the ultimate strong man, Jesus, calls them back out of their failure and puts them back into ministry. But So what are the weaknesses that can cause you and I to fail in the area of strength? Here's weakness number one, I think, is this is when we don't stay alert when others need us. I think a major failure in our life, oftentimes in, in our society, when we are so individualistic, is that when we see someone else, another man, that is struggling or hurting, that you and I fall asleep on the job. I think that's a weakness. That, mean, that shows a lack of strength. And my guess is you and I can drift and we can think over our years that, man, we've seen a guy in church. That, man, he was faithful and he was faithfully faithful and all of a sudden he gets weaker and weaker and weaker and fades away. And perhaps even in our minds we think, you know, wonder what's going on in his life. Man, I haven't seen him. 
and we fail to stay alert. And so as we look in Matthew chapter 26, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Now let me remind you what has just happened, let you know what has just happened. They've had the upper room experience, all right? We, we, we are already beyond Palm Sunday. And, and now what you have in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He's instituted the Lord's Supper. He's looked at Judas, and he says, go do what you're going to do. And then he looks at his disciples and says, let's go out to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray. Let's go pray. And so pick it up as we start reading it in verse 36. It said, then Jesus went with his disciples. Those were his guys. Those were his dudes. He had picked those guys. Judas was gone. They were going outside with him. He was going outside with his buddies. Guys, at the end of the day, we need to have men in our lives. When I'm fixed to march out to my personal Garden of Gethsemane, that I've got dudes that go with me. How many of you understand that? Man, if things aren't going well in your marriage, you need some dudes that are willing to go out to the garden with you. When you are going to go out and you are going to cry and you're going to weep, and I know dudes don't cry and we don't weep, but man, you're going through one of those broken seasons in your life. Every one of us needs men around us. Do we understand that? That, that I look at, I text them, I say, y'all are my guys. I need some prayers right here. I need you to show up in my life. We need that. Jesus modeled that right here. Man, we understand that Jesus was, in fact, fully God and fully man. But when he comes to his toughest season in life, he looks at some dudes that were his disciples that he had called out and said, I'm going to go out to the garden and I need y'all to go with me. And so pick it up. It says, then Jesus went out with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there to pray. Man, now he's talking to 11, right? We've already lost one. Judas, Judas is gone. So he's down. Now notice what happens this. He then took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. So the disciples go out with him. So here he's got this larger group, these 11 disciples that have come. They've journeyed with him for a season. And this is another good model. We all need some men in our lives. But notice even Jesus had an inner circle. So he stopped the other disciples here. Then he looks at his three real close buds. Jesus' inner circle. Peter, two sons of Zebedee, James, and John. And he says, guys, I need you all to go a little further with me. You know, and it's a pretty good model for church, guys, for you and I and our relationships is we need a lot of guys around us. How many of us understand that? We need a lot of guys to interact with us. But let me tell you what, when I ultimately go to that dark space, the most difficult space, we all need an inner circle. We need two or three or four guys in our lives where I can bear my soul, where I can tell them everything that is going on. Let me ask you in here, do you have those guys? Do you have those guys in your life? So you look at Jesus in his life, there were times he had 5,000 people around him, right? He fed 5,000. Man, they loved him. When, G when people heard that Jesus was coming to town, what does it say? The crowds would rush in. They would press against him. But guess what? Those weren't friends. Jesus had the disciples who were ultimately his friends. 
do you have in the midst of the large group that shows up with you at Cottonwood Creek, do you have a group? Do you have a group of 10 or 12 guys? That man, you're, you're, you're beyond just visually recognizing each other. You've got some guys that they know what's going on in your life. You've got some guys that you can wash their feet, metaphorically, right? We don't touch anybody's feet any day. That's a different day, right? But they can wash your feet that you can share your soul with, your heart with. But then beyond that group, probably a, a pretty good example or a pretty good thing for you and I to do, if you have a sheet of paper there, or maybe on your notes, say, who's your team? Who are the 10 or 12 guys in your life that you surround yourself with consistently? that they're gonna demonstrate some mental and spiritual and moral courage around you. But then beyond that, who are your two or three closest dudes? Because Jesus is doing what he's doing, he's also modeling something for me and you. Who are the two or three closest guys that when you have to go away from everybody and then even further down your own journey and your road, who are the two, th two or three guys that you would take with you? It's kind of that dark alley experience. Anybody ever heard someone say, hey, that's a dude. If I'm caught in a dark alley, I want him on my team. Y'all familiar with that? Who are those dudes in your life? That man, when I get in a dark space, in a difficult space, and I can only take one or two or three of my friends, I'm going to take them, them, and them. And that's what Jesus did. He's taken his disciples to a certain place, but then he took his inner circle a little further. And it says he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Man, he is weeping. Why? Because he knows ultimately he's about to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And it says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch over me and keep watch with me. So now, what he's done is he's taken the group, then he's taken his inner circle a little further, and it says, This is where things really get dark for Jesus. Jesus had washed their feet up in the upper room. He's given them the command, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another. Then he says, by this, all men will know you are my disciples because of your love for one another. Then as we journey forward and think forward, Jesus now has gone out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows what's about to happen. He drops off the guys that were not part of his inner circle, goes further on, and he begins to pray and he begins to weep. And he looks then at his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And he says, man, you guys stay here. I'm going to go right over here and pray. And he says, pray for me. Now notice what happened. He says, my, my soul, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed and sorrow to the point of death. In verse 38, stay here and watch with me. Now look at verse 39. It says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is somehow possible, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then notice what happened. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them asleep. And so his closest inner circle, right? He's gone away. He's prayerful. It's in the middle of the night. He's sorrowful. They had reasons, right? But he comes back to them and they've fallen asleep. 
That is an epic fail. That, that Jesus, out of the disciples, chose those three. And man, what an incredible epic weakness they have here. They have not stayed alert. They've fallen asleep. And so Jesus calls them out. Couldn't you man, keep, men keep watch for me for only an hour? And notice, I love the idea, it says he looks specifically at Peter. He says, Peter, I expected more from you. But honestly, Jesus knew what the end of the day was for Peter, right? He knew Peter was going to reject him. He had just said it earlier in the upper room. He says, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. But I think it's interesting that Jesus looks at his inner circle and says, stay here and pray with me. Now look, jump down to verse 43. It says he goes off and prays in verse 42 again. He comes back to his buddies, his inner circle. When he came back, he again found these dudes sleeping because their eyes were heavy. My guess is they had a lot of excuses, a lot of reasons. Long day at the office. They had been fishing all day. I don't know what they had been doing. But in the middle of the night, Jesus comes back after his first time to go away to pray. He says, guys, couldn't you watch with me just a little bit? Couldn't you just hang out with me just a little bit? He goes, now, stay away, stay awake. Stay alert, and I'm going to go pray. So he goes out, comes back to his buddies again. What did they do? They had fallen asleep again. Guys, how many times are we going to fall asleep on another brother in Christ who desperately needs us? How many times are we going to let someone down who desperately needs us to pray for them? How many times is one of our closest buddies said, man, I'm going through it in my marriage, or I'm going through it with my kids, or I'm going through it with the office, and I'm going through it, and I really need you to be here for me. I want you to pray for me. And what have we done? We might not have physically fallen asleep, but we haven't stayed alert. And that's an epic fail. Here Jesus, out of all the disciples that he's called, he's chosen these three guys, and they've fallen asleep on him not once, not twice, but notice, jump down to verse 40, 45. It says, Then he returned to his disciples again and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? You know, I've noticed over the years, and probably you have as well, strength grows most when you go on even when you think you can't. You know, sometimes the greatest strength happens when you grow, go on even when you think you can. If you take it into the weight room, it's that extra rep. It's that extra plate. It's just going a little further even than you think. And, and, and here's the thing, guys. Jesus went back to his inner circle. He had asked them to stay alert. And they had failed. He came back and challenged them once, and they didn't learn the lesson. Came back and challenged them again, and they still didn't learn the lesson. Came back a third time, and they still didn't learn the lesson. Guys, here's the, here's the application point today from this idea of, of weakness as opposed to strength comes when we as men don't stay alert to the other needs of other men. You say, golly... And my guess, my guess is most of us sit here and go, guys, he asked you to stay alert. You didn't stay alert. He showed back up. You had fallen asleep. He called you out. He went back and prayed. He showed back up. He called you out. And he went back out, and you fell back asleep. 
My guess is many of us here today are, are sitting here going, you know, had that been me, I, I, I'm, an, I'm a night owl. How many of you are a night owl? Yeah, see, I, I, I can, it's not that hard for me to stay awake through a night. I have a tendency to do it anyway. Some people, man, you just, you, 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 your head hits the pillow, you are out. But here's the key. Has there been a time in your life, look back, when a buddy has needed you and you've fallen asleep? Be honest with yourself, guys. When you look back over your spiritual journey, can you think back over a time, let's be honest, where someone needed you and you weren't there? My guess is everybody in this room has done, has done that. My guess is everybody in this room has probably done it a second time to someone else. Now, now notice these guys, Peter, James, and John, their heart was not to let down Jesus. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Man, I can think back over my ministry as a pastor that there have been times when I have flat out let people down and that was not my heart but I didn't stay alert. And so guys, I want to encourage you to make a decision today to stay strong in your faith. And if someone comes to you, a man in your inner circle, a man in your group, a man in your life group, and says, man, I really need you to pray for me, don't fall asleep. Every week, Justin says, hey, give me a prayer request. Someone stands up and says, hey, I'm going through this. How many times do you really pray for them? How many times do you really pray for them? You don't even have to know them. But guys, I would love for us to become the kind of men in here that when Justin says, hey, in 30 seconds, give me a prayer request, that everybody in here would pull up their phone, go to your notes, and you might all, all you might say is, dude over there in a green shirt just lost his job. That's what I'm praying for. That's the group, right? And if that dude's at your table, when we break here in a few minutes and someone's just shared that prayer request, if you don't know their name, you say, hey, what was your name? Because I want to pray for you. Because man, we want to be the kind of men that all of a sudden when, when prayer requests show up, when someone says, pray for me, I'm going through this or I'm going through that, that we are the kind of men that do not fall asleep. That's being strong in our faith. So weakness number one is, is when men don't stay alert to the needs and requests of other men. So that's weakness number one. Peter, James, and John had an epic failure. Here's the second weakness, I think, when, we, when it talks about epically failing in the area of being strong. Here, not being there when others need us. Failure number one is not staying alert when others ask us to pray for them. Failure number two when it comes to being strong is not being there when others need us. If you jump down to Mark chapter 14, this is just moving to a different gospel. It says, then everyone deserted him and fled. So what happens? It is after Judas had delivered Jesus into the hands of sinful men, what did all the disciples do? Boom, they were gone. They're out. Man, we need to stay alert to the needs of other people so we can pray for them. But here's the second thing. Man, when somebody we know is going through a difficult season, we have to be there 
when others need us. It's one thing for us to pray. It's another thing for us to be present. How many of you understand? Two different things. It is great to pray for someone when they have a problem. But guys, to be real men who are going to be strong in the faith, it requires our presence from time to time. We have to show up. We have to show up. The definition of a true friend, a true friend, a strong man, is one that shows up when the rest of the world walks out. We, we have some men in our church that I, I would say are great at this. That over the years, I, I have watched them just because their nature, who their heart is. When it seems like the world is walking out on someone, they're on their way in. And that's exactly what we see right here. Man, if we want to be spiritually strong, we, got, we have to be present when others are going through problems. It's one thing to pray, and we need to stay alert, and we need to pray. But it's another thing to be present. Man, when things are hard, so as you jump down, it says, then everyone departed him, man. Uh, it, you know, our strength rose ultimately when we face up to intimidation. Man, when the world begins to try to intimidate someone we know or Satan begins to intimidate someone we know, that we stand in, we step in. 51, verse young man. Uh, there was a young man wearing nothing but linen garment who was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Man, a lot of times that's us, Right? When problems really happen, we can't get out of there fast enough. Look at it, verse 53. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, and the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. And Peter followed him at a distance. All the other disciples are gone. Peter says, man, I'm just going to kind of hang out here. Guys, we need to be present when others need us. We need to show up when others need us. We need to pray for them when they ask. We need to be present when there's a problem. You might want to just write that down. We need to pray for another brother when they ask, and I need to be present when there's a problem. I don't need to be standing at a distance. Let me see how this thing works out. Let me see how this thing plays out. And I will tell you, beyond that, when we think about Jesus, there are problems going on in his life. They are orchestrated from above because at the end of the day, Jesus' calling was to be nailed to a cross for the sins of the world. So Jesus is in this situation, he's in this problem, and he is totally innocent. If you take it to us, there are times when men and buddies and friends in our lives, they're in a problem situation like this, and they have in fact sinned and failed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They are guilty parties. That is not the time for you and I to stand at a distance. That is not the time for you and I to stay away. That is the time for you and I to go be present there with them in the problem. That is what it means to be biblically strong. That I'm going to pray for someone when they desperately have a need, and I'm going to be present with them when they're going through a problem. But notice, you have Jesus. What had Jesus done for these guys? He called them out of fishing. He washed their feet. He fed them. He taught them. He led them. He made them strong. And now all of a sudden things get hard. Boom, they're gone. Men, don't be those kind of men. Be the kind of men that when a problem happens, that you are the kind of dude that shows up. Here's the third weakness I see right in here. Weakness number three is not standing strong when others confront you. Not standing strong from a, when others confront you. So here, Peter is at least followed at a distance. 
But pick it up in Luke chapter 22 and uh, notice what it says. says. Jesus said, but I prayed for you, going back to Simon Peter, that you would have faith and not fail. And, and when he turned back, he says that when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Now, we're going to talk about this next week. There's a little net message of hope in there you can miss. But he replied to the Lord, Lord, I am ready to go to prison. This is Peter talking to Jesus. And even death. Jesus answered him and said, Peter, I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus warned him. He says, Peter, it is easy for you to fail. And you know the story. You just continue to read on what happens. A little servant girl comes up and says, now, weren't you with him? No, 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 not at all. Then another dude comes up and says, weren't you one of those? And he goes, no, 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 not at all. Someone else comes up and says, now, weren't you with Jesus? No, I wasn't. Not once, not twice, but three times. Being strong means we stand strong when others confront us. I will tell you, this reality, guys, is heading toward you and me more than ever before. When you look at our current culture and what is going on right now, more than ever before, in the office, in the marketplace, in your neighborhood, with your kids, you and I are going to get confronted about our belief. They're going to say, so, so you really mean that God made them male and female. How are you going to respond? I believe God made them male and female. You really believe this. You really believe that. Doesn't that seem outdated? And you're going to have the opportunity to stand strong and say, you know what, this is what God's Word says. I'm going to stand strong in this area. Being strong means that I stand strong when confronted by the world. And so as we think about what it means to epically fail, they did it right here. They were asked to pray by their friend Jesus, and instead of praying, they fell asleep. They were asked to be present when the problem showed up, and instead they walked the other way, and they failed. Here, they were asked to stand strong and identify with Jesus. But instead of identifying with Jesus, they denied Him three times. Guys, if you and I are going to be strong, we cannot fail in those areas. We have to become men that pray for other men who are going through problems. We have to be men that are present when others are going through it. And we have to be men that stand strong when confronted by a world that's not always going to like us. And if we don't, we will have epically failed more than Peter, more than James, and more than John. Why? Because we have their clear example. We have clear example of what it means to epically fail in the area of being strong. Now the beautiful thing about the gospel is when you come back next week, we're going to look at all three of these dudes. And in every one of these points, we're going to see that they bounce back. These men who epically failed in the area of prayer become incredible prayer warriors. We're going to see these men who weren't present when they needed to be present for Jesus in his darkest hour become present for other men to help them rally back and succeed. We're going to see these men who backed away when they were confronted about their faith 
who are, re who are willing to be bold and even be crucified upside down. So the thought today, you may have failed till this point, but there's another day coming in your life and mine. Let's pray. Father, I pray as we leave here today that we would be, become men who would pray for other men when they're going through a problem. God, I pray that we would be the kind of men that are present with other men in the midst of their pain. God, I pray that we would become men who are willing to stand strong even when confronted by a godless world. And in doing so, we will be strong and not weak. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great, great day. Don't forget to pray for someone, be present for someone, and don't back away from God's Word. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.